grad student. Ooh, this episode is being released on a Tuesday. What could that possibly mean? Nothing. It actually means nothing. It means that Alana is doing that thing now where she honors her mental and physical health needs and release the podcast a day late in order to do so. And that's on growth. And with that, let's get to today's episode. Today's episode is all about the unwritten rules of grad school with first year master's student Kara Eversole. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Dear Grad Student, the podcast where grad students can come together to celebrate, commiserate, and support one another through this long and difficult journey. I'm Alana. I'm a fourth-year doctoral student and your host, and I'm joined today by a first-year master's student studying psychological sciences and learning applied research methodology, Kara Eversole. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Uh, You are now officially among the list of the other 50, however many people I have talked (laughs) extensively with on Twitter. And now we're finally meeting and doing a podcast episode. So I'm thrilled to have you. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful Sunday morning. It's wonderful. It's so good to actually meet you. It's such a weird thing to say when we're all so isolated. It's like so strange. It's funny because I feel like I have interacted more with people on Twitter this year. I mean, I, I have more with people on Twitter this year than in person, but even like grad students, I feel like I've interacted more with grad students I've never met on Twitter than grad students in my program. Like I don't really have <laughs> classes with people. Like I'm not, I just like don't see people. So uh, thank you for being part of my uh, quarantine support system via Twitter. Of course. Thank you for being part of mine. <laughs> oh my God. You're so welcome. Happy to be there. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Twitter, let's go ahead and start this episode like all other episodes and shout you out on social media. This can be anywhere. Where can the people find you online if they, I don't know, listen to this episode and they think you're fun? Where can they find you? Yeah. So my Twitter is just my first and last name, K-A-R-A, Eversol, E-V-E-R-S-O-L-E. I think it's spelled like it sounds, but people might argue that. <laughs> I agree that it's spelled like it sounds as somebody, you know, every guest know this. I'm very passionate about name pronunciation. And so I asked you that as like one of the first questions, how do I pronounce your name properly? And it was pronounced exactly as I thought. So I don't know if it's because I already had a care on the podcast or what, but it is exactly how I thought it would sound. And so, yeah, anyone listening, you can go ahead and check her out in the description. You just scroll down, literally click on her name and it will take you to her Twitter. Is there anywhere else that people can find you online or is that it? There's also my website, which is also just my first and last name.com. I love that you have a website. Um, I really need to make one. Like I have the podcast one and I keep telling myself like, I should make a personal one now. You're a fourth year, like you're almost a fifth year. Let me throw up about that thought for a second. But like, (laughs) maybe I should make one and I like still haven't. So thanks for the reminder that I need to get on that. (laughs) (laughs) It's very bare bones, but. Yeah, but like, that's all you need. I feel like you don't, Mm. you don't need anything flashy for your own website because it's really just like people genuinely interested in what you research or do or it doesn't need to be fancy, you know? Totally agree. So let's sort of, I guess, pivot towards that, which is what do you do in grad school? Like, who are you? What are you doing? Of course. Who am I? Very existential. (laughs) So I am currently in grad school at James Madison University. I am in a master's program. It's a two-year program. Before this, I was working in a neuropsychology clinic in Columbus, Ohio. So I was doing that for about five years. 
was pursuing doctoral programs, wasn't really having any success, went through a few unfortunate application cycles. And I happened to meet my advisor at a conference and we hit it off and I'm here in this master's program. And I'm very fortunate to have full funding with a stipend, which oh, is for master's programs. Congratulations from me to you personally. That is amazing. <laughs> That is fantastic. Yes, I, I'm very, very grateful and I reflect on that often. So the ultimate goal is to pursue a clinical psychology PhD. Mm-hmm. So have to finish the master's first. So we'll see what happens after that. But yeah. I'm very fortunate and grateful to be where I am. Yeah, that's awesome. I love a good master's success story. I feel like I have fallen on both sides of like, is a master's worth it? And the answer is always that it depends. And it sounds like to be fully funded with a stipend with a mentor you vibe with, who sounds like they're right on board with you, like your next step, like we're getting you into a PhD program, Mm -hmm. essentially. That's amazing. What a role model. You are the dream. You're living it. (laughs) Congrats. Thank you. On that, right? So today's episode is all about the unwritten rules of grad school. And I love this. You suggested this as a topic and I'm like, still living for it. Part of the reason I'm so excited to do this episode is that similar to many students, I learned these the hard way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am still learning them the hard way and it kind of sucks. Academic Twitter has definitely helped. I feel like I got a lot of advice from there. And part of it was that, you know, I joined a somewhat small lab when I got to grad school. No one in my family had ever been to grad school. I'm not first gen. um, So not both of my parents finished college, but both of my parents went to college. So there were obviously aspects of like higher education that I did understand. But there are so many ways that grad school is its own beast. But similar to my episode with Brianna Williams, a linked below coming out Monday for you tomorrow. So many people are receiving and accepting offers right now. Mm -hmm. And most of them most likely are high achieving and conscientious and they want to prepare as much as possible to enter whatever program they're joining. And so this episode is really for those people, but it's also for anyone uh, because there are unwritten steps every single step of the way. So I hope that highlighting these is helpful for everyone. I also feel like I'm going to leave feeling validated and learning something and you probably will too. So this is just going to be like a lot of beautiful like learning and camaraderie, I think. Yes. And a little bit of commiserating. I mean, it's you know, celebrating, commiserating, and supporting. It's the whole podcast in one episode. Yep. (laughs) So let's go ahead and start with one of the unwritten rules that you have. Which one do you want to start with? Is something like speaking to you? Of course. Yeah, there's really one that's speaking to me. And mainly so because I think it encompasses a lot of different concepts, but being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Say that. Yes. And that's really what I think propelled me into a master's program because I was in a job that I was very good at. I was in the lead role. I was instructing other graduate students. I was very comfortable with the city I was living in, with the group I was working with, and going on to a new step in a new town where I was going to be receiving difficult classwork. I was going to be in a new setting with people I didn't know, moving as an older student. I'm 28. It was definitely something that I had to wrap my head around and take that step into the unknown. And I'm kind of rambling right now. But no, you're good. I actually, you said into the unknown and my brain just started singing frozen in my head. So that's where I'm at. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, definitely just embracing 
knowing what you don't know and going for it anyway. And I feel like that is such an unwritten rule. Like I feel, you know what it it really makes me think? It's one of those like, yo, Lana, we know. But actually doing it and experiencing it is like really scary. You don't know this, but the podcast listeners will know this when this comes out because I talk about it on Monday's episode. But I actually, as of February 1st, have switched from clinical to experimental. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, So now you're learning this live. And now I'm not cutting this out when I tell guests. But yeah, so I switched out of clinical to experimental. And this was a really big like, first off, training to be a therapist was getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Unfortunately for me, it never stopped being uncomfortable. So I decided to make a life choice to change that. Mm -hmm. But it was really uncomfortable to advocate for myself in that way. It was really uncomfortable to go against the norm. But all of that was sort of like better for my own well-being and my career trajectory. And I think that I think that if we only do exactly what is expected of us, we not we don't necessarily like reach our full potential. Like, I guess it sounds somewhat awful because I'm not saying like abuse yourself, right? We're not saying like run yourself into the ground and get comfortable with that. Like we're talking about like everything is just new in grad school and everything is a little bit more difficult than things in the past. And like being comfortable with that, I feel like is so crucial to becoming comfortable with those things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think we're instinctively wanting to follow the path of least resistance, which grad school definitely isn't. We are definitely taking the hard path. We are doing things that we would normally not be doing. The path of least resistance is really what we're conditioned to follow. Mm -hmm. And grad school, we're overriding that, overriding, staying in a comfortable position and doing things that we're not used to and stumbling uphill, failing in a productive way. Yeah. I love that phrase, path of least resistance. Actually, one of the first pieces of advice, I can like visualize this, but my first year in one of the like big classes that all clinical students take, the professor, wonderful man, one of his pieces of advice to us was take the path of least resistance. But I don't think it was exactly in the way that you mean. I think that what he's saying is, is like, this whole thing is going to be hard like right on track with what you're saying. What you don't need to do is make anything harder for yourself than it already Mm -hmm. is. So certainly like what you're saying, it's not like the whole path needs to be the path of least resistance because it's so important to grow and change and develop as a scholar, as a being generally. But on those individual tracks, like this is already hard. You don't need to make this harder. So maybe like the path of least resistance asterisk is maybe almost like another (laughs) unwritten rule Yes. It's like in general, like challenge yourself and grow, but you don't need to make this harder than it already is. Like it's already painful. It's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that really ties into another point that we have on our list about being forward thinking. So what's the end goal and how do I get there? So how can I, again, take the path of least resistance with a little asterisk, Yeah. but do so in a productive and meaningful way that you're not yeah. creating any more distress to yourself than needed. Yeah, I I really like this idea. This was one of your ideas, right? So constantly thinking ahead to your next step. It's really interesting that you bring this up because I have actually gotten feedback that I do this too much. And I think that this is really common. Sometimes we're like, we want to be thinking about our next step, but maybe we don't need to be five steps ahead. Like I know that my next step right now is like, it feels like my next step is quals on my dissertation, but my real next steps are getting some of my papers off my to-do list. And yes. so like knowing what your next step is, is a really key point. And like, you want to be planning so that you don't waste time. And that's actually something on my list. Like time is so valuable in grad school. It will go by very, very quickly. And it's not on your side, even though five years or six years or seven years, 
feels like a very long time for a PhD or even two years for a master's program. And so when we think about like thinking ahead to the next step, like I think learning how to identify what the next step is was a really big thing for me to learn in grad school. I don't know if you ever had that where like you were 50 steps ahead and then you needed to like backtrack and be like, oh, actually I need to finish this paper. (laughs) (laughs) Always. No, I think when I think when I was first considering grad school and applying doctorate programs the first time, I had the end goal in mind and nothing in between was flushed out. So I had the end goal. I want to be a neuropsychologist. And my advisor was saying, okay, so what are the steps to get to that goal? And I would kind of fumble and not have the right answer and not have that figured out, which was really myopic and really damaging. I didn't realize how damaging that was until I was in my master's, until I'm in my master's program now, learning all this research methodology and all these statistical techniques of things that are going to help me succeed in the future. That's filling that gap. That is the next step that I need to take. Yeah. I love that. I think it like really speaks to like, well, so many points. I don't want to like run out of our list because I could just keep going. So I'll say something (laughs) else first, which is that on that topic of like, think ahead to the next step, make it be the right step. This relates so much to the episode again, coming out on Monday. It's just on my brain with Brianna Williams, because we talked about gap years and it's really similar to what you were talking about that like your end goal was like, I want to be a neuropsychologist. So my next goal is this. And for me, I was like, I want to do this career. I want to research the thing. I'm going to go to grad school. Well, I did get in my first round. And so I'm now finding out everything you're talking about, but I'm already in it. And so I feel like I'm running out of time because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, there's like 50 million and one steps to get to that. And I'm learning them as I am doing them. And all of those steps have an A, B, C, D, and E. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Absolutely. Like knowing what those are so crucial. I love that you put that on this list. Also, I suck at it. I suck at doing it (laughs) effectively. I think I think that I do it really ineffectively because I get excited because I love what I do. But that's not always helpful, which is like messes with my brain. Yeah, I think we're very much cut from the same fabric because I'm very excitable and I get very focused on the carrot dangling on a stick ahead of me and I just want to go for it as quickly as possible. My mentor says that to me all the time. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm bringing back some uncomfortable things for you. Trauma. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so I think, again, we're very much the same in the fact that it's this exciting thing and we're very hardworking, we're overachievers, and we just want to go for it. Yeah. But there are all these small steps that we have to do beforehand and be very methodical and thoughtful in that working towards that final goal. For sure. And I, I would totally agree with you. And I'll say, you know, I, I'm obviously joking here, but the feedback I'm getting is so completely legitimate from my advisor. Like, she's not wrong. <laughs> like, I hope I'm not implying that. Like, no, no, <laughs> she's right. It's just so hard. And it's actually funny because one of the first times I got that feedback, I've talked about my high school physics teacher on this podcast. It's been a while, but hey, Mr. Learner, if you're listening, um, because he listened to that one episode, he DM me. He was like, hey, I listened. I was like, yes. Anyways, Aww. I'm back on track. Thank you. I know. Wonderful people. <laughs> And I had like, I don't know, we were like catching up or something. We like catch up every year with coffee. And I like made a comment. I was like, yeah, you know, my mentor made this this comment, again, completely legitimate, where she said that like, I just get excited about like the next shiny thing. Like I just like see a shiny toy and I like want to play with it. And he was like, oh yeah, totally. That's totally you. And I was like, 
has this has this always been me? Because you had me in high school and I'm 25. Like, <laughs> is this a thing? And then I was like, this is a thing. And so then I felt a little bit like, oh, I don't know why that like helped me feel validated, but it wasn't like, did I just develop this new, really ineffective, maladaptive thing? And I was like, no, Alana, you've just always been that way. And I was like, oh, that makes me feel a little bit better that it's this difficult to unlearn. <laughs> so I would say that like, it's a process. Like this really goes kind of to your next point that I would love to dive into, which is like, you're going to get a lot of feedback and or rejection and or hearing no. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It really ties into that. Feedback can be very difficult to hear the first time. I feel like there's like stages of feedback, like stages of like denial or like grief or something where it's like you hear feedback and you're like, no, this can't be me. And then you're like, (laughs) wow, maybe this is me. And then you're like, I'm so mad that this is me. And then like you accept like this is me. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) for anyone listening, that's a good project to dive into. There you go. (laughs) If anyone's researching feedback processes and humans, uh, DM me. I'm open for, (laughs) actually, I'm not open for collaborations because I also do too much. So yes, nope. This is me turning you down. Yes. Again. And I mean, that also goes to a point that you were going to bring up at some point, but learning how to say no and when to say no to things because we're bombarded with opportunities and literature reviews and conference presentations. And again, there's all these shiny things that are very exciting and you want to pursue them, but really being thoughtful and methodical in your approach mm-hmm. and not just chasing the next shining star is so hard, at least for me. Yeah. How have you learned to like work on that? Like what's been like strategies for you or, or maybe you don't have any, which is also okay. It's okay. to be perfect. <laughs> It's definitely a work in progress, but I've gotten great feedback from people. Um, Annie Reyes at UCSD, so shouting out to her. Uh, shout out Annie Reyes, episode four, linked in the description. Yes. Sorry, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're totally fine. I'm just obsessed with my own podcast. Oh, I mean, you obviously have the best guests, so that that was not a self compliment to me. I'm I'm saying to everyone else who has been on before me. <laughs> Fantastic. That's amazing. Continue. But, uh, no, Annie tweeted something at one point saying, how does this contribute to my trajectory? Or what do I gain from this? Because I'm also very much a helper. So if there's an opportunity to help someone or contribute, I'm very eager to say yes. But learning how to be selfish and learning how to self-advocate towards my own journey and my own growth. I'm speechless because I feel like I'm looking in the mirror and it's freaking me (laughs) out, dude. It's freaking me out because... Same. This was, wow. Just like, hold on. I'm, I'm just like processing because same so much. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and again, like coming right from undergrad as an undergrad RA who was very interested in going to grad school, it was like, oh, an opportunity was proposed. Yes, I will do whatever you ask me. I am yours. You own me as a human. Like anything you want, <laughs> I will do it. I don't care. I need to get into grad mm-hmm. school. And when I got into grad school, I was like, I'm a first year grad student. Yes, anything you want, I will do. And it wasn't until really recently when I'm doing projects that I care maybe a little bit less about than I wish I cared. Like, because it was the shiny thing at the time where I was like, oh, this is an opportunity for X. Let me take it. And now it's like, oh, there's a lot to do for this thing that feels a little bit more peripheral now than it used to. That's so hard. And I think there's a huge transition because very early career in grad school, we're taught to take as many opportunities as we're given because they're so sparse and we're really trying to build our CVs and build our training. And then it kind of shifts to the other direction where we're bombarded with opportunities and we learn need to learn how to say no. 
So that transition, I think, happened. And then I realized after the fact that it did. Yep. So I think I'm, that's so common. Same. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I'm really learning that, oh, I'm I'm in the point in my career and my training and schooling that I have to say no to things. That I'm very lucky and I'm very fortunate to have the privilege to say no to things. That I have the op- these opportunities that are available, but I do need to say no now. I love that. I also feel like it speaks to something we don't have on this list, which honestly is shocking. Y'all, if you were to see the list of unwritten rules, maybe I'll have to like, I don't blog, but like maybe (laughs) I'll have to put this somewhere because we have so many things. There's no chance we'll get to all of them. But one thing is that like learning who you are as a researcher is an unwritten rule. Who I thought I was interest wise and as a researcher is so different as a fourth year than I thought it was as a, like I thought I was as a first year. And that it's like, yes, of course you grow and change Alana, like no one's shocked. Okay. But where that becomes important is really this point of like how and when to say no. If you don't know what is beneficial to you because you don't know what and who you are, There's nothing to guide you in the like, is this good for me? Is this not good for me in my career? I wanted to shout out really quick. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Daniel Moriarty. I don't know how to pronounce your name. We talk all the time. He's (laughs) DP underscore Moriarty on Twitter. I'm just going to put you in the description. I know you're not on on this episode, but I was DMing him because he is somebody who does research in my area and he just has a killer publication record and his papers are beautifully written. And I just like DMed him and I was like, hi, um, you're an academic role model of mine. How? And why are you? And he, we went back and forth and he gave really, really wonderful advice on exactly this point of choosing projects for you and choosing collaborators, how to choose collaborators, different things like that. I think it's such an important unwritten rule that really speaks also to points of independence that we have here, which is that when we talk about being independent, it's not just I can run an MLM by myself. I can manage data by myself. Being independent is I know what's good for me, what's useful for me and what's going to help me. And then the skills are just the things that then take you that direction. But the little piece about like, oh, I can decide what projects I take, like genuinely, and doing different projects will affect me differently, was like new. As of Mm -hmm. like maybe a year ago, like right when COVID hit was when I was having those revelations for the first time, spring of my third year. So, And I really think that autonomy is something that's really new and hard for graduate students to navigate because there's this hierarchy where we're kind of at the bottom, but we also have this independence and say in what we're doing and how we're proceeding in our career. And I think you kind of touched on this, but DMing with other people, networking and advocating for yourself is so crucial to your growth as well. So realizing there are so many different ways to grow and networking laterally and vertically. Is that yeah. the right thing? Yeah, term? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Laterally, exactly. And then higher up the hierarchy is so beneficial and so crucial to your growth because you're going to learn things and you kind of get to add to your rule book that you don't have to figure out these rules. I love that you brought up networking. I was like, in my mind, I was like, what should we talk about next? Networking was it. And then you took us there. It was so beautiful. If y'all could have seen it, but it was in my brain. I think networking is such a big thing. This will come back once again, the millionth time to academic Twitter. Also academic Instagram. I won't leave out of this conversation, but academic Twitter is a little bit more, I don't know, there's text and not just pictures. Uh, But I think something that I remember learning about it, like the first academic conference I went to, it happened to be the 75th anniversary of that conference. So there was so, I mean, it was very like a sentimental year. People were like, you know, reminiscing on the old day, you know, all that. And people were just talking about as they were accepting awards or they were introducing people. Like I met this person at my first conference 15 years ago and we were both first year grad students and look at us now, we each got a career award or something like that. And so I think this sideways networking of like grad 
student to grad student, I was so intimidated by. Despite the fact that I'm very verbose and talk to people and I'm, I like to, talk, you know, interact with people, I felt very intimidated by like, why would another grad student value me? Mm-hmm. Why would they care about me? Am I just competition? Or, or, or am I not competition and they really don't care about me? <laughs> Which really talks to like imposter syndrome that I've gone on about and I'm sure we'll touch on. But academic Twitter has been a really good place for this. For example, Ryan Lynn Brown, I'll link her episode below. She does research in my area. And this is going to sound, uh, Ryan, I hope you're listening to this, but this is going to sound like I had a crush on you. But like, I was like low-key academic crushing her on her online. I like knew her mentor and like I had read her work before I met her. And when... I think she DM'd me to like with resources for R and I was like, oh my God, Ryan Lynn Brown's reaching out to me. And now we literally text every day. We do research in the same area. We have like, we're going to write papers together, like a whole thing. And we have a genuine friendship that is built out of the podcast that has been genuine sideways networking career wise. So these things can come from unexpected places. And I also think other students similarly feel like, why would any other grad student care about me? So if we all feel that way, we probably all care about each other. Talk to other grad students. <laughs> Absolutely. And there are so many close friends that I've met through academic Twitter. Uh, Karen Dorsman, shouting her out. Yes. But she texts me and is just so supportive and so sweet and so kind. And just a shining ray of light. And I was, again, academic crushing on her for a while yeah. through Twitter. And I think we just get so starstruck by these people. But they really are just like us. Yeah, They are approachable. They are amicable and they want to help you succeed yeah they're not these big scary monsters that are going to attack you or be hypercritical of you yeah and I mean I think on that point another thing that's like not an unwritten rule but maybe like a what did I wish I knew there are going to be toxic grad students and that is that is true anywhere you work at any business that you work at it's going to be true anywhere that you go that there are going to be toxic people so I'm not saying like academia is a beautiful place and like there aren't mean people and like trust everyone with your life but like there are people that are good people who are out there and want to support you and so like lean into those relationships is I guess what I mean there absolutely and I I don't know how naive and that doesn't exist It doesn't exist. We're all at different stages. What's naive to you might not be to me and something that I might need by need. It just doesn't exist. Go for it. Say yes. It. <laughs> Anywho. Well, I think this might be a positive outlook, but I would like to believe that there are more kind-hearted people in academia than there are toxic, that there are more people who want you to succeed than people who are looking to cut you down and are looking to be critical and degrade you. I'd like to think that there's more of the former than the latter. I certainly think, and this might just be my Twitter bias, that it's moving in that direction. And I don't know if it's just like oversampled because like I'm just seeing a lot of that and, you know, everyone's department is so different and certainly academic Twitter does not reflect on like real academia, but I am exactly the same as you. I think we're just like optimistic people probably, Mm -hmm. but I am usually a person who is like trusting and sees the good in and expects the good of. So same, I'd like to think it's moving in that direction. I'd like to think that people who don't feel that way are either retiring or are slowly being kicked out of the system. Now, Mm -hmm. is that true in all cases? Absolutely not. Have you been on academic Twitter also? But like, (laughs) I would like to think the same thing. So I don't know, maybe we're both naive in that. Um, It also could be our positionality as white middle class cisgender women. Absolutely. So that could be it. But I don't know. I feel similarly. I'd like to hope, I'd like to think that that is what's happening. Mm Mm-hmm. Hello, friends. Okay, let's take a quick break to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring the podcast. 
episode is being sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest online counseling service. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It is available worldwide, and you can access your account at any time, send a message to your counselor, or schedule your weekly sessions all online. Plus, if you decide that your counselor isn't a good match, which, let's be honest, does happen, it is easy and free to switch counselors if you need to. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and there are a lot of different kinds of therapists with different identities who work from them, which makes it easier for you to find one that works for you. There is even financial aid available, which I really like because it does make it a more accessible option for grad students, in addition to the fact that they, like I said, offer more diverse therapists or more therapy modalities than might be available in your area. As a Dear Grad Student listener, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Student, And that's better. H-E-L-P. Again, the full link for the 10% off your first month offer is betterhelp.com slash student. You can also find that link at the bottom of the show notes or episode description, and it will take you right to that 10% off offer. Yes, we love accessible therapy options with financial aid that makes it even more accessible for grad students. Now back to the podcast. Let's move on to another unwritten rule. And we can just like totally, we've talked about a lot, but do you want to pivot us to something we haven't touched on? Sure. Let me see. There's, again, this mini novel. So I want to look through and make sure I'm picking (laughs) something good on. Pick a good one. Your life depends on it. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) I think something that's really important to focus on and definitely gets overshadowed is the importance of self-care and maintaining a personal life and personal identity outside of your research, your clinical work, everything that you're doing. Yeah. How do you maintain that? Yes. So anyone who has Zoomed with me (laughs) knows that I have many, many plants in my Zoom background. So maintaining my houseplants is a big part of self-care. That is so beautiful. I'm currently working on making a green wall. So I'm having this one plant trail up and this other one trail down. (sighs) So I need to figure out how to do a, what's that called? Stop motion? Uh, Yes. Exposure. Yes. So I can see it grow, but it's also something that helps me with patience because I am at times a very impatient person. So working with slow growing plants teaches me how to be patient and how to care and how to invest. So it's a great metaphor for grad school. My mouth has dropped by the like, <laughs> in this, this so intense and beautiful. Like I'm sitting here, I'm like, it's mindfulness. You're learning patience. It all relates to grad school and it's green and it's alive. I'm just, wow. So I kill every plant I buy. So I have stopped buying them. My boyfriend will still buy them sometimes. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. You're going to try. But we kill every plant. But I really love this point about like keeping your personal life, not even, I mean, like it's hard to keep it separate, but certainly having a personal identity outside of grad school. I mean, if that's not what this podcast is, I don't know what it is. I know these are still Mm -hmm. connected, but like this is separate from grad school work for me very specifically. But I've also talked really extensively and will not go into it on this episode. You can listen to mm, every other episode, but mostly like (laughs) episode one, the episode I did for International Women's Day and definitely the gap year episode about like ways that not having an identity outside of grad school or the ways that not having proper boundaries or the ways that like not aligning myself to my values and honoring what I need, like has destroyed me across grad school. And I'm Mm -hmm. finally like working on it properly. 
But that's a big one. And I think it's like, I don't know if this one's like unwritten because I feel like it's just like academic Twitter definition this point. But I think that like the implications of it, like it goes deeper than just like you might have bad mental health or a bad mental health day. Like it messed with my sense of self Mm -hmm. and who I was and what I meant to people. Like it's more than like it's bigger. I don't know, but it's bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of what you were touching on before that it's not necessarily separate. Separate might be a little bit of a misnomer. But having this unique part of yourself that grounds you and that recenters your values and that makes you mindful, again, that you are a human, you are a researcher, you are a clinician, you are whatever roles that you're taking, but at the core, you are this human being who experiences life like everyone else. And doing something that's mindful and meaningful for me, that's working with plants, getting my hands in the dirt working with them, watering for them, caring for them. But for everyone else, it's different. But again, having that thing that grounds you and really centers you is so crucial. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I said before, it's been cats. Um, When I can get myself to do it, running has been really good. I've been recently obsessed with the TV show Outlander. I've now watched the entire thing two times through. You can blame Kate Kirby and Jordan Alvarez, uh, both former guests and Vikram Baliga, all for convincing me to try it and give it a go. And I've now bought all of the books. I'm listening to all of them on audiobooks. And my like self-care at the end of the day of working is going for a walk in my favorite park, listening to Outlander on audiobooks. And I think it really speaks to the point of like, if you can, right, there's going to be different seasons of grad school, but like generally try to do something every single day, completely unrelated to grad school that is not part of basic needs. I remember we were learning in grad school, like, you know, eating and sleeping is self-care and like it is, but like, those are also basic necessities. Like there's also like, how are you taking care of your soul? And that sounds so dramatic, but like, guess what? (laughs) I mean it that dramatic. You have to do things for the soul. You have to do things for you. And for me, that's what that is right now. And it can't be every day for every person, but like even once a week and for you, it's plants, which is so beautiful. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I mean, again, we are going through grad school, we are going through this journey all together, but life is still happening. We aren't setting our lives to the side while we're in grad school. We are living lives outside of grad school, but not really outside of, more in conjunction with. Yeah. That I still have uh, friends that I have Zoom dates with. Zoom dates is probably a little bit of a misnomer. I just absolutely love my friends. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it's a Zoom date. That's what I call date. it with my friends. Absolutely. So again, I have those relationships and those meaningful things outside of academia. That academia is really my job and it's what I'm passionate about. But I also am living my life at the same time. Yeah. And I think that like, I said this on other episodes too. I mean, this is like, this is why this is such a great episode because it really encompasses so many things I've talked about before and puts all of those little bits and pieces into one episode. It's why it's so valuable. But I've talked before that like in, in undergrad, you're supposed to just like be a college student and that is Uh identifying for you or for, for some or most people. And it's a bubble of like, I'm here to do this thing. I identify as a college student. I might introduce myself, you know, it's very, I like, it's an identity thing. And then in grad school, if you let it be that, it will consume you in a way that undergrad doesn't for most people. Or or mm-hmm. if it does, there's an end date and then you're done and you're only mm-hmm. 21 and you have your whole life ahead of you. Not that like, I know I'm so 25 and jaded. I'm literally so annoying. Like I turned 25 <laughs> and I'm like, when I was a child. But yeah. <laughs> uh, like literally how I feel. And my boyfriend's like three years older than me. He's 28. And he's like, just mm-hmm. wait till you're my age. I mean, we're just ridiculous. But I think <laughs> that like, I really did have, again, this realization. I've said this in other episodes, like life kept going. And I, it sounds so dramatic. I'm still going to say it, Kara. 
I literally feel like I woke up at 25 and I'm like, what am I wearing? What am I doing? Who am I? Because I stopped lifing and I was just grad mm-hmm. schooling at all times. It was about how to appear most professional at all times. And then I look in my closet and I'm like, this is not me. I'm looking at a closet of clothing. I don't like, it's not me at all. I like didn't like getting dressed because I didn't feel cute. I didn't feel like me. Like that has an effect in your everyday life. Still a small example. Still feel weird saying that out loud, but like it is true. It's just a shift that you have to make. And it's so, it's hard. Because we like, we've been trained our whole lives that like, I'm hardworking, I'm motivating, I've been working towards this and now I've gotten to it and I need to separate myself from identifying that way. You know, like it's like very difficult. I also think it's hard and I, I'm in a very novel position in the sense that I started grad school during the pandemic. So everything's been from home, everything's remote. I basically live in this forest of plants working on my schoolwork. So it can be hard to separate work from personal life because again, Mm. we're all isolating. So I'm not going out a whole lot. If I'm Zooming, it's typically from the area that I work. So it's definitely been hard to set work hours and stick with them, especially in grad school when you have so much work on your plate. It can be very easy to just let that spill over and work all the time and have that subsume your identity. Have you found that you work at weird hours during the day? Yes, I am definitely a night owl. I get up typically around nine and then I We'll take a nap in the middle of the day and then I'll work more in the evening. So it's definitely sporadic, but I just find that I'm most productive when I do random chunks of work throughout the day that I have never really thrived doing eight to five that I'll work two hours here and I'll take an hour break and go on a walk or eat lunch or do whatever self-care re- repot a plant, something. Um, And then I'll work for another two to three hours. So working in those chunks really is what works best for me. But when I first started grad school, I think I was just working nonstop and the burnout happened so quickly and so readily because you can work forever. Yes. The work never ends. The to-do list never ends. Absolutely. You need to learn when to stop. Yeah. And I really love that you brought this point up. It was another thing on our list of these unwritten rules. The idea that like you might not work nine to five is such a big one. It's funny because I actually love that I now work nine to five because I feel like mm-hmm. before the pandemic, I feel like I was going from class to clinic to research assistant to grad student back to class. And then I'm home for the day and everything had a transition and I was 50 different places at once. And I couldn't have meals at the right time. And I was never on the same schedule as my partner. And like that for me was like so chaotic. And so something that I have actually learned is like, I love that when I wake up, I get started on work and I know that when it's dinner time, I am done for the day with schoolwork. And for me, even though I love the work that I'm doing and a lot of times at five or five thirty or six, I have to force myself to stop. I love that I, I have expectations. Like I know that I will have time off later. I know it. I know when it will be. I know how I'm going to spend it and I can look forward to it. And it's motivating to get there. And I know the feeling of like, I've worked hard today. This feels really extra good. So for me, I love working till five or six and I'll have like dinner. I'll go on a walk and shower. And then I do podcast uh, from like seven to nine thirty, And then I watch Survivor all night or I play video games all <laughs> night. And then I go to bed at like midnight. And then I'm up at eight or nine, yes. similar to you. So for me, I actually, I mean, I'm taking breaks throughout the day. I'm not literally like, oh, I'm nine to five and I sometimes I don't move, but like I have lunch. I'm taking, you know, usually using the Pomodoro method to like keep myself working at a, you know, time interval. But, you know, hours worked are going to vary so much across people. And it speaks to this other point, which is that like, don't confuse hours spent working with productivity. 
you could have been working all day and gotten nothing done. Mm-hmm. It's also something that we haven't touched on, but touch it. I don't, I don't know if it was Ryan Lynn who said this on Twitter. It was something that you posted about motivational quotes and <gasps> done is better than perfect. Someone said her? it. Um, Someone I don't know who it. it was, but I, yes. So um, we were doing some professional, I'm just going to give background. No one cares, but I'm giving it anyways. <laughs> we were doing professional development in my lab that week and something was talking about like almost like making a vision board or like things that help motivate you forward. And I was like, I think quotes are really helpful for me. Like almost like a mantra thing. Like when I get really down in the dumps, like I like to remind me, this helps ground me as you were saying. And so mm-hmm. I posted on Twitter. I was like, what are motivational quotes that keep you going? And like 200 people responded. So somebody must've said that who knows who, but someone said it and then I saved all the ones that like I felt yes but so someone said that maybe Ryan Lynn and all her wisdom maybe someone else <laughs> so <much> but <laughs> um, I definitely find myself being very perfectionistic and wanting things to be absolutely perfect so I'll spend an hour formatting a word document or a powerpoint slide so I spent a lot of time working but that was not productive in any mean of the word Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I have found, for example, like the Pomodoro method, which I've talked about works for some people, not others. But for me, the things on my to-do list and the ways that they have gotten done, this really happened after my burnout in December that I've talked extensively about again on this podcast, has completely transformed me getting things done. Being able to break to-dos down to a Pomodoro session means that I'm, I'm almost always checking something off after completing a 35 to 45 minute work session, which is incredibly motivating. And it actually moves projects forward for me in a way that I've never been able to. Whereas I was working the same amount before break and like was having meetings with people about things not getting done and why and how slow I was going. So I think it really speaks to like whatever works for you and your productivity, like do it. If it means working four hours a day, but you're like killing it for four hours a day, like work four hours a day. Yeah. And finding a style, again, finding a style that works best for you. And that also goes with organization as well, because there are so many different balls that you're juggling and that are in the air that if you are not organized, things will fall and yes. they will come back to yes. you. Right. They'll yeah. fall and they'll bounce back. They're all bouncy yeah. balls and gravity Absolutely. is strong. <laughs> it will bounce up and hit you in the face. In the and face. Depending, yes, depending on the size of the ball. So it may be something that's small and doesn't hurt too much, or it could be a literal boulder that's bouncing back in your face. <laughs> and I think this also like goes to another point, uh, you know, that really I think speaks to more PhD students just because mm-hmm. of the function of master's versus PhD. But there's two points to this. First is that I know that people will communicate this and then their actions don't match this. So take this with somewhat of a grain of salt, but like you don't need to get an A in every class in grad school. And what it took to get an A in undergrad might not be the same as what it takes to get an A in grad school, meaning like you might not have to push yourself so hard. It might make more sense to put that time and energy and effort into things that are pushing your CV forward. And I know it's different for masters because like you're there to take classes. Usually it's usually to like get more coursework. So like take it with a grain of salt. But the other thing that I really learned first year is that like you don't need to read every word of every paper. Like If you're assigned a paper, get familiar with it. But I've seen so many techniques online, and I'm curious if you have any of these as well, of like read the abstract, maybe read the first sentence of every paragraph and then read the conclusion. And for some classes, that is enough. Like there are some that are like, Mm -hmm. they're going to make you write a paper on like, like you can't do it for that. But if you're just going to have a discussion-based class and you need time for research that week, just do enough, not perfect, Mm -hmm. exactly on your point. Yeah, I don't have a solid reading technique, but my typical approach is I'll read the abstract, then I'll read the summary at the very end, then I'll do that again. And then if I'm really crunched for time, I'll skim through the paper. Mm -hmm. 
if I have time, I will read it in full, but we don't all have time. (laughs) So that's my method to kind of get out of it if I really don't have time. I also think that, and you were kind of touching on this as well, but focusing on being a well-rounded student. Mm -hmm. So it is important to do well in your classes, but that might not necessarily be an A. You could get a B plus, A minus, but you're really filling in your spectrum. So making sure you're a good researcher, making sure you're a good clinician, building your CVs in other ways Mm -hmm. that are going to help you. Because if you have a perfect GPA, but you have not done anything else, that is going to be a really focused CV and you're not growing. I love that point. And you have made me think of a point that you brought up right before we started recording that I would love to sort of wrap up our talk about. I think I think what I want to do, I want to bring up this point and have us chat about it. And then there's some things on this list that I wish we could talk about but couldn't. So we might just like list them and then go into final thoughts. But one thing that you brought up that ties into something else on my list is it's not about how smart you are. It is really about work ethic and perseverance, which ties into a point I also had written down, which is that you will be wrong all the time. And that doesn't mean you don't know anything. I love this point. Talk. Can you talk a little bit about like you bringing up this point where this comes from? I'm seeing you nodding. Like there's a lot of feelings I'm sure behind this one. Absolutely. And I think it really ties into imposter syndrome as well, because I think Everyone has doubts about if they're cut out for grad school. I've definitely tweeted about this before that I think I'm not smart enough. There are so many people who are better than me, but it really doesn't matter at this point. We're all a certain level of intelligence and smartness, which is not a word, I think, but I'm going to use it. I love it. (laughs) But really what matters is, is our tenacity and pushing through being uncomfortable and persevering through mistakes and learning from our mistakes. And this really gets back to the point where I was saying about failing upwards. So making mistakes, but learning from them, making mistakes and being effortful in correcting them. I love the phrase failing upward. I've actually never heard that. I've heard a lot of like fail and then fail better, which is the same exact phrase, but reworded. Mm -hmm. I really like that because I mean, it's not that it's super uncomfortable for me to fail. I think that it's more uncomfortable for me to like let people down. You know what I mean? So like if I do something wrong, I'm kind of like, well, yep. It's about right. But when other people like if there's like an impact of that, I'm like, oh, my God, like I failed someone else. Like, I think I don't know. Maybe it's about like other people like failing myself is one thing, but like failing other people like I cannot deal with that. I can't do it. Like it really messes with me or like just when I don't reach someone's expectations of me. I don't know. That's something I should talk about in therapy, probably. But <laughs> but I think that like that's a really normal thing. Like we're here to impress our professors and we're here to like make a name for ourselves. And like when we feel like we're not doing that, like that's horrifying. Yes. And I definitely feel that and I can relate. There's times where I fail and it's more reflecting on, oh my God, my advisor took me and I made this huge mistake. I'm letting her down. Yeah. She chose the wrong student. Yes. <laughs> Why am I here? I'm clearly not cut out. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think think every person feels that way. And I love talking about this no matter how many times I drill in this point because, I mean, it doesn't matter how many publications you have. Well, maybe it does. I don't have that many, but maybe if you have more, it does. (laughs) But I generally think it doesn't matter how many publications you have. It doesn't really matter. I mean, even for some people who get like a lot of praise from mentors or whatever, like, I don't even think it matters about that. Like, we're just going to feel a little bit out of place because we're uncomfortable all the time because we're Mm -hmm. failing all the time because we're being wrong all the time. And we have to constantly mentally push through that. Like 
Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of skill emotionally. Um, and it's not something we're taught explicitly. We just kind of have to like learn it. You mm-hmm. might say it's an unwritten rule, Kara. You might say that. <laughs> I think also too, we're so used to hearing all this positive feedback, especially in undergrad and at jobs, depending on who you're working under. And grad school isn't like that. You're not going to have that constant validation affirmation that you have to be comfortable with your own internal validation and mm-hmm. not getting that external thumbs up. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we're going to move into final thoughts, um, but I want to do not like a rapid fire, but like things we didn't get to dive into, but that are also things that I think people can Google. I think people can talk to fellow grad students about. People can certainly tweet me about it and we can talk. If you're open to people tweeting or DMing you, they can do this. There you go. Invitation. So, you know, one thing that 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 made me think of. uh, So just to be incredibly annoying. This is a great example of why I'm always like, go to therapy, which is again, a privileged thing to say. Obviously therapy is expensive and difficult to find in general, go to therapy. Uh, Better help is an option, which I talk about on this podcast. Really happy to have partnered up with them, but there's other things that we can rapid fire here. Something that just comes right off the bat for me as a rapid fire is like anything you're going through, like you will not be the first and you likely will not be the last, meaning you are not alone. Whether it be you have a bad advisor experience, whether it be, you know, you can't get things published, whether it be you're scared about the future. And the other thing that really sticks out to me is that the administrative staff in your department will save your life on multiple occasions. You need to not only respect them, but like build relationships with them. They are wonderful people and Like I said, they will literally save your life. So like, I really cannot overstate how important they are. Be their friend. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Anything on your list that we didn't get to, but that you want to highlight for people to check out for their own sake? Yes, this is on your list. And it's so important. Back up absolutely everything. Yes, absolutely everything. And also to have a good reference manager. So Zotero is my absolute favorite. Same. I wish they would sponsor me. I feel like I would be a great spokesperson. So Zotero, if you were listening. <laughs> Amazing. I might reach out to you because I have been like trying to figure out new and unique ways to like organize things because I end up getting caught in like what's the best way to organize this and not using it necessarily properly. Anyone interested in Zotero, you can check out episode two of the podcast. We talk about essential citation managers and resources for grad students. But yeah, I mean, this list is long. We were hitting points so quick. I wasn't even like, this is a rule. This is what we couldn't. But I think in order to help those people listening who are like, Alana, what did you just talk about for an hour? Like, I'm with you, but like, what did you, what is this? I think we should do final thoughts. And of course, these are takeaways, anything that you want anyone to remember. Like if they were bullet pointing, what would you want them to take away from our conversation today? Of course, I think a large part of this, and this is very, very broad. So it can expand to life, grad school, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That is a huge take home. Next point is be forward-thinking, but not too forward-thinking. So really taking the path of least resistance with an asterisk. Yes, I love the asterisk. (laughs) (laughs) Doing baby steps to work towards your final goal, but really having that final goal in mind. And this kind of ties into other points too, but being true to yourself. So thinking about your own vision and your own trajectory and what your goals are. Another main point, another big rule is that people are crucial to your journey whether that's networking or relying on them emotionally and mentally. But again, like Alana said, you are not the first and you're not going to be the last. So you're not alone this journey. Everyone feels some degree of imposter syndrome. So really reaching out when you need it and figuring out how to grow. Another rule is that self-care is absolutely crucial, that Mm -hmm. your personal life is ongoing outside of grad school, but also in conjunction with. So having that personal identity and having time to center and ground yourself 
is absolutely crucial to exceeding in grad school. Yeah. I mean, you have hit so many points so beautifully. I'm so glad that you were on this episode to summarize it in this way, because what people don't know is like off camera here for a second, I was literally like, wow, yeah, you're hitting that point. I'm like, yeah, we did talk about that. Like, oh my gosh. So uh, (laughs) beautifully summarized. I'm going to reiterate some of the points you made and see if I can go a little bit meta because I like to do that. But really my big things are about like being wrong, being okay, recognizing that like there are ways to grow that like you may not have ever thought. I really think an unwritten rule that I genuinely this year have learned is like tailoring your journey to you and your career. And it sounds so obvious coming out of my mouth out loud, but really like you have a choice in projects, different projects with different collaborators are going to do different things for your career. And the things that you take on will fill your time. So fill it purposefully. I feel like that's just my big, one of my biggest takeaways and final thoughts, just because in my own personal life, that has been one of the biggest things. Um, And I would also just reiterate that like personal identity piece um, and self-care piece. It's so easy to lose ourselves in grad school and to just become the persona of who we are in grad school and don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I know that sounds like, oh, you can't just say that, but like, I've had to unlearn it and unlearning it was a lot harder than it might have been to just start out with the healthy habits in the first place. In fact, I'm I'm sure that that's the case. And I <laughs> thought that they were healthy habits until here I was later on. So like always be looking inward, right? Do some self-reflection every couple of months. Like, are you who you want to be? And I don't mean, are you the researcher? And I don't mean, are you headed to the career? Like, are you the human and person that you want to be in this world? And how did things need to change so that you align with that? And that's like a general, I don't know, 20 something advice. So like, I'm not a 20 something podcast, like don't come for me, but (laughs) this is what I'm going through my personal life. So this is what I'm sharing, but it's okay to be figuring things out while you're figuring out grad school and retweet for what everything that Kara just said basically. Um, I think, I think that you summarized it really well and maybe I took it as meta as I wanted to, but Kara, wow. The places we've been, am I right? What a great episode. I just want to like, thank you so much for your time. And I want to remind the people where they can find you and connect with you on social media, especially for anyone listening who wants to DM Kara or DM me and have more of these conversations. So where can the people find you online? Absolutely. My DMs are always open for kind people. So uh, yes, kind a and nice. Yes, my DMs, this is the yes. asterisk episode. <laughs> <laughs> my DMs are open asterisk. Yes. So uh, my Twitter handle is just my first and last name. So care with a K and then ever S-O-L-E. And then my website is also my first and last name.com. So you can reach me either way. My email is available on my website. So you can shoot me an email, but again, asterisk. Nice people only. Yes. (laughs) Nice people only. Amazing. Yes. So everybody go ahead in the description, check out Kara's website, go follow her on Twitter, engage with her online. She's a fun person to be Twitter friends with. I would know this because this happened to me. So this is personal experience. Um, Kara, yeah. Just thank you so much for joining me. I don't know. I feel like this is like energized my Sunday. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do self-care now because Kara told me it was important and it's an unwritten rule that I know now. Like I feel good. Go buy a plant. <laughs> you know what? I, maybe I should try it again. I'll be like, yeah, I want, I'm going to, oh my God, maybe I'll name it after you. Do you name your plants? Uh, I don't have any names, mainly because I have so many. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have over 40 plants. <gasps> so. No, you don't. <laughs> I do. Wow. I have taken the time to go and count them and I have over 40 plants. 40. I should name them. Yes. Oh, if I, I was, were a label maker, I would make 
labels and name them. You know what's so funny about that is like at first I was like, why don't you just give each of them a name that starts a letter of the alphabet, but you ran out of letters. <laughs> I would have to circle back. I could just add on. So Or like, like an check a- out a- other languages and- that have like letters yes. that the English alphabet doesn't have maybe, but then you'd have maybe difficult names to remember or names that have sounds that the English language does not have. So it might be difficult to pronounce on a regular basis unless you practice. It would be a growth experience. For oh me. my gosh. We love growth. growth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. Well, Kara, I had a blast. Thank you so much. No, this was so much fun. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And it was so great to finally meet you for the millionth time. Kara, thank you so much for coming and being guests on the podcast. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Hashtag bye. you stay till the end so that you could learn more ways to connect with your grad student well you can check out everything for the podcast at the podcast website all made possible by podcast patrons at deargradstudent.com you can also find the podcast on twitter at deargradstudent on instagram at deargradstudentpod and automated closed captionings for some of the episodes can be found on youtube by searching deargradstudentpodcast if you would like to join the wonderful group of people supporting the podcast on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash deargradstudent. If you just want to connect with me online, you can find me on Twitter at Alana underscore Gloger. That's E-L-A-N-A underscore G-L-O-G-E-R. And if you can, just tell like everybody you know about this. If you're joining a program or you have a new cohort, you definitely want them to listen to this podcast. Feel free to share it with everybody that you know. Don't forget the podcast does have podcast merch on Redbubble. You can find that link at deargradstudent.com. And if you can, please rate, review, and subscribe to Dear Grad Student on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, you know, wherever you find your other favorite shows. As a reminder, all resources and links mentioned in today's episode can be found in the description. And until next time, warmest regards, best wishes, sincerely, Alana. Alana.